Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Back again, this is Maximize Your Influence, episode 288. So take a deep dive in with persuasion, motivation, influence, self-persuasion. Things you need to do to take your life and your income to the next level. Basically, maximize your income, maximize your skills, get more tools. Kurt Mortensen here and having pretty much of a nothing week. I think that's a good thing. No webinars, no trainings. Did a few coaching sessions. Spent a little time on the new book, but it was just a good week. I think summer's trying to come, although I've been seeing a lot of rain. I don't know what's happening in your neck of the woods, but let's dive into it. Let's get into our persuasion ninja of the week. Ninja. Now, one of the big mistakes a lot of people make is they don't understand their demographics. They don't understand their customer. They vomit at them. They throw persuasion darts on them, hoping one of them sticks. I've been hearing this cigarette commercial, not pro-cigarettes, anti-cigarettes. In fact, let's play it right now. How far you make it depends on how you play the game and how you hustle toward your future. An addiction to cigarettes can make you lose control. Living tobacco-free is the only way to move. Level up. Keep it fresh. Live tobacco-free. So we all know cigarettes start when you are young, and that's when you get addicted. You don't start... And middle age, I don't think that happens very often. And so they're going after the demographic. And what's important to that demographic? Gaming. And if you get addicted to cigarettes, it affects your gaming, your scores, your relationship with your friends. I mean, that's your thing. That's your world for a lot of people in that demographic that start to smoke. So I want to give them the ninja. I'll put the link up. It's Fresh Empire under YouTube. It has a series of small commercials they usually use on YouTube. To get people to think about not smoking, especially at that young age. But they put it together with gaming. Smoking affects your gaming, affects your scores, affects your life. Now they've created a little pain. And they get the ninja of the week. And that's an important safety tip as a persuader. Is get into their shoes. Find out about your prospect. What's making them tick. And they're not all the same. There might be some general things about the pain that they're having. The really understand, ask the right questions, dig deep. The more you can understand them, the better at persuasion you become. And so that brings us to our geeky article. And I will post the link. This comes from the Harvard Business Review and Steve W. Martin, who teaches at USC, the Marshall School of Business. And the article is, Why Does a Salesperson Lose a Sale? Since we all sell for a living, we all persuade for a living, this is good information to understand. Because a lot of salespeople say, oh, it was the product. The product was inferior. No, no, no. Because he asked them that, and they all felt that most of the products were pretty much the same. They were roughly equal. He wanted to take a deep dive to find out how customers perceive their salespeople. And I'm not going to go in the same order, but one is, it's really a committee of one. Because you hear that, oh, got to take it to the committee, got to take it to my boss, got to take it to the group. The study found that whenever a company makes a purchase decision that involves a team of people, 
that there's factors like self-interest, politics, and group dynamics that influence the final decision. But this study confirmed that 90% of the participants said there's usually about one member in the group or that committee that's going to influence everybody, and they use the word bully the decision-making process. And they said that was successful 89% of the time. So even though there's a committee, there's that one person in the committee that's pretty much going to sway that decision. That's the person you need to persuade. That's the person that you need to focus on. And never let anybody persuade for you. We've talked about this before in the podcast, that if they're taking your product or service, your idea to a committee, yeah, no one can persuade like you. No one can sell like you. You either need to be there. Say, look, I know a lot of questions will come up. Can I be in the meeting? If that's possible, then you need to train them to persuade for you. Well, here's some frequently asked questions. This is something to think about. Otherwise, your one-hour presentation is going to come down to five minutes, and it is not going to be the same. The next myth, we'll call it, is that market leaders have an edge. Because in most industries, there's that one company that they have a lot of the market share. Everybody knows who they are. They have top-of-the-line products and a bigger marketing budget. And some people feel diminished when they're going against those. And they feel intimidated. So the study's going to give you some good news in this regard, is that buyers aren't necessarily fixated on the market leader. And they're more willing to select second-tier competitors more than one might expect. In fact, only 33% of the participants indicated they prefer the most prestigious. Only 33% wanted the most prestigious or that best-known brand. 63% said they would select a fairly well-known brand as long as the functionality and the cost was there. But only 5% would select an unknown brand, especially if it didn't have the functionality or lower cost than the best-known brand. So something to think about there. Next one he found is that some buyers are price immune. Oh, price, price, price. We want the price, right? We're all fighting about price. And salespeople become fixated on price. They have to be the lowest. Don't fight on price. That takes no skill to fight on price. And not everybody was a price-sensitive buyer. In fact, the study participants were asked to respond to different pricing scenarios. And they took a look at the answers. And it went by department. Engineering was more price-immune. Marketing and sales was more price-sensitive. Manufacturing, information technology, human services, and accounting were a little price-conscious. And of course, banking was very price conscious. And many studies show this, that price is not the only issue. Everybody knows you get what you pay for. The next one, it's possible to cut through bureaucracy. You know, that's a big fear for salespeople is a buyer's failure to make any decision. Because there's other projects, other things happening, other fires. And they asked, do the departments have different abilities to push through their purchases? And the answer is yes. Based on the research... Sales, IT, and engineering have more internal clout to push through their projects versus accounting, human resources, and marketing do not have the same clout as other departments. So it's a little hard to push through and cut through that bureaucracy. And I did a little research on charisma, one of my favorite words. He says, how important is charisma? Is it likability and charisma? Which I can put those worlds together. I mean, you want to be likable. You want to have charisma. You want to be persuasive. And that varied by industry too. But most industries wanted somebody that was friendly. Some industries teetered a little more towards the charisma side, especially the media and fashion industries. But every industry wanted somebody that was friendly and charismatic always seemed to help. 
I mean, really, what do people want in a salesperson? When I was doing research for the book Persuasion IQ, I asked people what they're looking for. Educated, informed, knowledgeable, adaptable, of course, good listener. Punctual came up, empathetic, dependable, friendly, proactive, admits mistakes. That's always a fun one. Sincere, good personality, someone that's always learning. So everyone has a different type of perception, but there are some common themes. Now, the final one, and this is where I want to spend the time today, is that some customers want to be challenged. Before I get into that, let me read a listener email. Oh, boy! And of course, if we use your email on the show, you get free access to InfluenceUniversity.com, the gold membership there. Of course, everything you need to know is also at MaximizeYourInfluence.com to take your Persuasion IQ to get the free book, Maximum Influence. And to get to the archives, for example, if you want to know more about Charisma and Report, Podcast 50's in the archives. You can access to that at Maximize Your Influence. And there's a link to contact me, or it's Kurt, K-O-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. This comes from Joshua W. near the San Francisco area. Hello, Kurt. I attended Expanding Your Influence in San Francisco in November. Since attending this session, your podcast has become a part of my daily commute. Awesome. My initial reason to take the course was to learn how to better sell ideas across my organization, but I also aspire to be an entrepreneur. As I work toward my entrepreneurship goals and train to become a high-achieving salesperson, it appears relationship sales is a skill that needs to be worked on also. How does persuasion and influence intersect with relationship sales in a non-cheesy way, I'll add high lactose. And how would you recommend simultaneously working on both? Regards, Joshua W. So, Josh, let's talk about that in the final piece of this Harvard Business Review study. And I want to kind of expand on that. Is that some customers want to be challenged, some don't. So, what he found that was really important is that as you look at different consumers, and of course the goal here is to persuade people how they want to be persuaded, sell them how they want to be sold, is that 40% want you to connect, to listen, to understand, to give them a solution. 30% want you to build that credibility and trust. They want to be comfortable with you. They want to be taken care of. And 30%, and that's what he's talking about here, want to be challenged, want to have an someone that's an authority to give them a new solution to tell them what to do. So the answer to your question is it depends on the person. You need to do all those. You need to have the relationship. You need to have the trust. You need to be the consultant at times. But it depends what do you start off with. I think that's the root thing here. We want to do all those. We always want to build rapport. Charisma is always good. You want to build trust. But what do you do first since personalities are different? His study showing is 40% connect. 30% credibility, and and 30% need to consult. So that 40%, the connect, that's where they want the friend, right? The listener. That's where you're working on your people skills. You are probably working on your listening skills, your eye contact. You might find some similarities to spark the relationship, things you have in common in a non-cheesy way. Not things that you're making up about the fish on the wall or the trophy that you know nothing about but something that you can talk about, those similarities that are relevant to them. Learning to mirror and match their energy and their demeanor and their nonverbal gestures. Isopraxism, that's mirror and matching. 
that's a standard which accelerates rapport. So connecting is important. That was 40%. 30% wanted that trust factor, that credibility. They want to know that you're competent. They want to know that you understand what's going on. So a function of that would be to teach them something new, unique, different in the first couple of minutes. Maybe you need to borrow a little credibility with social validation, other people you're working with, other companies that you solve their major challenges. Maybe it's a referral, it's a recommendation. They're looking for trust. They want that credibility. They want to know that you're competent, that you're an expert in your field. Because think about it. When you're the expert, there's very little persuasion resistance. When you go to a doctor or people you know that's the best in their field or a lawyer, they tell you what to do and you do it because that's the expert side of it. Then the other 30% is wanting that authority figure to be challenged, to be pretty much told what to do. Almost they just want you to tell them. They want to be challenged. They want you to prove your worth. You're the authority, which is very similar to credibility. They still want the authority, want you to prove your worth. They want you to be the expert. But this one is less of a consultant role and more of an authority. Look, this is what you need to do role. Look, you're blowing it. You're about to die or you're going to get sued. Your business is going to go over. This is what you need to do. So credibility and authority are very similar. But with the trust factor, the credibility factor, you're building it up. You're still consulting. You're still working together. Authority, which is 30%. Is more like, look, this is what you need to do. I'm the expert here. You're blowing it. You're going to die. You're going to go bankrupt. You're not going to be healthy. You're going to lose all your friends. Whatever it is, <laughs> that's what the authority side is looking at. That would be authority. So to keep it simple, should you connect, build credibility, or be that expert figure? So let's simplify this. This is huge. This is good study. Talked about it briefly on a previous podcast is that when you meet someone for the first time, there's two paths you need to take. So let's combine credibility and authority. So that's all under the trust world, credibility and authority. And the other one's a connect world. So if we combine those, that means 60% of the people you need to build trust first and 40% you need to connect first. So let's just keep it simple here. 40%, you connect, chit chat, people skills, get to know them. They're the type of person that, all right, relationship first, then results, then the other 60% is like, no, 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 let's make sure you can provide the results, and then we'll work on the relationship. Of course, you always need to have both. We want people that we like and trust. If you remember the formula, when people like you and trust you, and you've identified what's in it for them or their team, you have an 88% chance of influence. 88%. We're done. Let's go home. 88%. Like and trust is just where you start. That's all we're talking about here. So Joshua, where do you start? You need to have both. You need to have the relationship sales you talked about, and there's the persuasion influence, the trust side we need to talk about. So simplified, 40% you connect, 60% it's more let's build trust, credibility, and then half of those, they just want to be told what to do, and you're going to sense that. And this is how we do it. So let's just start with the basic. Do we connect? what I call a law of connectivity and maximum influence, or do we build trust and credibility? How do you know what to start off with? So we know it's 60-40. So if you're not sure, probably start with trust. You got a little edge there. But one of the first things I do is do a little espionage, a little stalking. Hey, why not? You've got Facebook. That'll tell you a lot about a person. 
I tell college graduates this all the time. That's the first thing HR is looking at is your Facebook page. Be careful what you post. Maybe talk to someone that's worked with them before. Someone in the same department that you know. Maybe you want to call their voicemail. You can learn so much from a voicemail. Hey, it's Bob. You know the drill. Yeah, you're probably billing trust first. But if you hear on their voicemail, it's Sally and there's music in the background. And she's saying, your call is important to me. I'll call you within 48 hours or 24 hours. You're probably connecting first. And so you could do a little work up front just to see where they're at. To see if we're starting with the connecting and the people skills and the similarities and the mirror and matching. Or if we're going straight to credibility and trust and you proving your worth. The next thing to notice is how do they bring you in the office? Are they warm, friendly, handshake, bring you in? They're coming out into the reception area to get you? Or you're, you're walking there all by yourself? Those are different. If they're warm, smile, handshake type of thing coming to get you, that's probably connecting. If they're having somebody else deliver you or you have to find them or they're not greeting you or they just tell you to sit down, you're building credibility and trust first. Then you got to hear that initial 5, 10, 15 seconds. What are they asking you? How's your day going? How you been? Maybe they've seen you before. What's the weather like outside? What have you been up to? What's exciting in your life? Tell me about yourself and where you're from. This is a connection thing. You're going to spend some time connecting, finding similarities, working on your people skills because to them, the relationship first, then the results. But if they say, okay, what's your company again? How long have you been in business? What's the difference between your company, XYZ company? When they just jump right into it, they're ready to talk about it. Now you got to talk about the expertise, be the authority, teach them something new in the first couple of minutes, work on your expertise to let them know that you know your things. And you can work on your relationship throughout that, but to that person, it's the results. Why should I talk to you? Why should I spend time with you? Then once you've pegged that, you can work on the relationship and go through the persuasion process. So remember this way, connect or credibility. Those are your first two options to simplify what we're doing here. 60% chance, trust. 40% connect. But don't go in blind. I don't think you need to. Sometimes people are hard to read than others. Again, if they're hard to read statistically, you could probably just go with the trust But follow their lead, do a little espionage, a little stalking if you need to. I'm okay with that. It's on the internet. It's it's there. People doing it to you. They're looking at your LinkedIn, your Facebook, your social media. They're finding more about you. Maybe look at their company website to find out about their corporate culture and what's important to them. That might indicate which direction you're going to go. Again, you need to have both throughout the persuasion process, but where do you start? Remember the key. You persuade others how they need to be persuaded. You sell others how they want to be sold. Don't go to your default setting, which is you persuade how you like to be persuaded. You sell how you like to be sold. That is wrong. Great persuaders adapt. They use more tools, and they persuade people how they want to be persuaded. So, Josh, hopefully that answers your question. We will send you an email with your access to influenceuniversity.com. That's home of the Advanced Mastery Program where you're learning new tools every week on how to persuade, motivate, and influence, and even persuade yourself. So work on that this week. Connect first, credibility first. Work on it. Get a feel for it. Make it part of you. And once it's part of you, persuasion becomes much easier, and you can persuade with power. 